Well, we started off our new year with a reminder of why we are here at church. In case you're wondering why you're here, how you got here, uh, we're going to talk about our purposes of being together, not only as individuals, but part of a family, a local family of believers. And what is our mission? I'm going to quickly review that each week as we talk through this series. God calls us individually to love Him, to glorify Him, to show His love and glory to others as we fully enjoy His grace and His mercy. And if you're still thinking about resolutions for the year, making some goals, I would encourage you to put this at the top of your list. Whatever you do, bring glory to God. That's our purpose. That's our chief reason for being here is to honor and glorify Jesus Christ the Son of God, and to bring glory that is due to God our Father. When Jesus was asked what the most important commandment was, what did he say? That was not clear at all. <laughs> Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. All of the commandments really fit into these two. It's our relationship first vertically with God, how we respond to Him, how we respond to His great love by loving Him with all we are, and then the people around us, our immediate neighbors, the world, how do we treat them, how do we care for them, how do we love them. So how do we do that as a church we base our church mission statement on several key scriptures, and I'm not going to read them this morning. You can go back and listen to last week's service, or you can look these up on your own. If you like taking notes, there's a piece of paper that's just about blank in your um, bulletin, and you can jot down some things. So Luke 10, 1 Thessalonians 4, Matthew 28. The mission of First Baptist Church is to develop missionary disciples who worship God grow spiritually, and share the gospel and their spiritual gifts. So we have this on the wall behind me, worship, grow, and share. First of all, as we worship God, our lives are meant to glorify God as we recognize Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord. He's the only one who can save us. We love God by glorifying Him, obeying His commandments, showing what Jesus is like through our words and through our actions. And then we grow. We are called as a church to develop disciples to see them growing spiritually into maturity. And we do this through fellowship. We do it through teaching and preaching of God's word. We mature to become more like Jesus Christ and we help other people as we disciple them. And that's what being together as a church is all about, each of us helping someone else. A lot of people talk about discipleship as a program, and you have to go to this class, and you have to do this, and you have to do that. There are some structure to learning about God. There is some structure, and fundamentals of the faith is a really good starting point, whether you're a new believer or wherever you are in your walk, sitting down and taking time to study God's Word, to understand how to find answers in it. So that's a great part of discipleship, but really, discipleship is just helping someone else grow closer to Jesus Christ. So every one of us should be a discipler of someone else. 
someone that is seeking to become more like Jesus Christ. So whether you're young or old, there's someone around you that you can help disciple. And it might take the form of having a cup of coffee and just saying, how'd your week go? How can I pray for you? What can I do to encourage you? Or it could be sending someone a note and saying, I prayed for you this morning. How else can I help you? Just those little things throughout our daily day to help one another grow. Being intentional in fellowship. We talk about growth groups here because we want everybody to be plugged in to get to know other people here at the church better than you know them this morning. So people tell me over and over again that have visited our church recently how friendly our church is, and pastor loves to hear that. It's not just the greeters that were friendly, but other people along the way stopped and talked to me. As I sat down, someone talked to me, and that is great. But getting beyond that Sunday morning friendliness of, it's good to see you, to, how are you doing? How can I encourage you? How can I help you? That's where we get to know each other deeper. And we have to be willing to open ourselves up to each other and say, I'm going to let you get to know me, and I want you to help me in my growth. And in turn, I want to help you too, getting to be part of each other's lives. And then finally, share, which we'll talk about next week. We're called to share the good news. Jesus said, go into all the world and share the gospel, making disciples. Not only around the world, but right here in our community, loving our neighbors as ourselves, sharing the gospel with them, loving our community. And then through our missionaries, like the Fries, we're loving that community in Epson. We're helping them know who God is. And so as God places believers together in a church body, each of us are called to do some part in that church. And we will talk more about that today. We're sharing the gifts that God has given us. We're sharing the abilities and even your unique personality. Every one of us is different, and we all respond to each other differently. And so as we have a group of very different people, we're going to find people who can connect and get to know you better because you'll find that you have some things in common. Not everybody is going to have everything in common with each other, but as we all are working to connect and share what God has given us, that's important. So in this three-week series, as we look at how we put this into action, we talk about it in terms of love. Last week, we talked about loving God. Today is love each other, and then next week will be love our community. And those match up with worship, grow, and share. Love is an action, and we're putting our mission into action. So if you missed last week, if you're here with us this morning, you can go to our website. It's dunkirkbaptist.org, and you can find the Love God sermon, and you can watch or listen to that. You'll find some notes there as well, and you can do that every week. Um, our services are streamed on YouTube. YouTube? not YouTube, YouTube. <laughs> so you can find them there, but then they're immediately posted and available. Um, so if you're watching at home, it's good to have you with us today. And if you're watching later, we'd love to have you come in in, per in person. So last week, as we explored what it means to love God, we saw that that was a living a lifestyle of worship. It's not just the first half of our service that Mark leads us through, worshiping God through music. We're worshiping God through the way we act with our kids. We're worshiping God through the way we perform as an employee at work. We're worshiping God 
through everything we do because we want to bring glory and honor to him through all of those. And Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you're wondering what it means to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, it's obeying his word. And that's why we spend so much time in his word. We want to know what he said and how we should live our lives. That's going to bring him glory and honor. So today, as we look at the second commandment, it's grow or love each other. So first of all, the Apostle Paul calls us to grow individually. Before we get to the corporate part as we're growing as a church, we're called to grow. Paul talks about it in human terms. As a new Christian, we're like a newborn baby, and we can handle milk. We can handle just the easy stuff. And then as we grow, we work our way up to bread and meat and deeper doctrine, deeper understanding of God's Word. And we get to learn and grow spiritually, just like we would as a baby. So you don't start babies off with a big tenderloin or a big thick slab of steak. You give them something easy like milk or like oatmeal, something soft, a mashed banana, and then they work up to harder foods. And so that's what we want to do with new believers as we're trying to disciple someone. The Bible assumes spiritual growth. And we've talked about this occasionally, but if you are still on the milk, then you need to challenge yourself and you need to say, hey, I need to grow. I need to learn more and not just stay at this early stage of my development. We shouldn't be babies when we're believers for several years. We should be growing and developing, becoming more like Jesus Christ. As we grow and as we mature spiritually, as we can handle understanding more doctrine, he's also calling us to obey at a deeper level. And that's all through the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not up to you to tell everybody, stop doing this, stop doing that, stop doing that. The Holy Spirit is doing that, and he's doing it at a different speed, at a different process for everybody. So as you're reading God's word, as you're saying, search me, O God, know my heart, see if there's any wicked way in me. God, what do I need to change? What do I need to do to become more like your son, Jesus? That's a process that we're all going through individually but we can encourage each other by praying for each other and by saying, I'm having a problem with this area. How can, how can I help you with that? Or how can you help me? When we struggle with temptation and sin, we should be looking for answers from God's word. How do I overcome this? How do I grow? And then we should be seeing fruit or evidence that there's changes going on in our hearts, that there's changes in our thoughts and then outwardly changes in our actions. And so often we want to start on the outside and just change all of the actions and just stop doing everything that we think is wrong, but there's no heart change happened yet. And that's really hard when we're just forcing it. So we want to make sure that we're going back over and over again. Why am I doing this? Why do I want this? God, change my desires. Change them to be desiring what you want for me. Individually, we're called to sanctification. Our end goal is to become holy or set apart. 1 Peter 1, 13-16 says this, 
Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, so also be holy in all your conduct. We're called to become Oh, there's a little bit more. And since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I jumped ahead on that one, sorry. So first of all, Peter is telling us that it's an ongoing process. It doesn't happen immediately when we become a believer. And that's why when we sin, that's not showing that we've lost our salvation. It's showing that it's a process. We're recognizing that this was a sin against God and I need to confess that. I need to grow. I need to seek to stop doing that. And then God's going to reveal something else and we're going to continually be working through this, being holy, step by step, little by little. Then Philippians 1.6 I'm sure of this. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. This sanctification, this holiness is an active process. It's ongoing. It doesn't all all happen right at once. And it's going to be completed at the day of Jesus. When we stand before him as Savior, we will be like him as we see him face to face. So as a believer today, recognize that You don't have to be perfect. In fact, you can't be while we're still here in our earthly bodies. We're called to holiness. We're called to be more like Jesus, but it's not until we reach heaven that that process will be totally complete. Little by little, we should be chipping away and getting rid of the sin and turning more into the form and the function and the likeness of Jesus, but it's an ongoing process. And then it's an active process, Romans 12 and Colossians 3. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And then in Colossians, I'm going to talk about Romans first, sorry. We choose to be transformed. We choose to not be conformed. We test to discern what is God's will. We test the things, the thoughts we're having. Is this godly or is this carnal? Is this something that's just going to make me happy here on earth? Or is this something that God wants for me? It's a continual process, renewing our mind through God's Word. Think about all of the thoughts and all of the words and all of the things that come at you throughout the week. How many of them are true? How many of them are lovely? How many of them are pure and just? How many of them are worthy of praise? It's my experience that very few of them are. So if I'm being bombarded by all of this that the world has to say, I need to make sure that I'm in God's word regularly so that I hear what he has to say. This is what it looks like 
to love your spouse. This is what it looks like to care for your neighbor. This is what it looks like to have patience with your kids. This is what it looks like to live like Jesus. Renewing our thoughts so that the ultimate truth is buried deep in our hearts. And as the world's philosophies come in, we say, oh, that's not true. We can reject it right off instead of taking it in and struggling with it for a while and then realizing, oh, this isn't working. This is not right. I'm doing something that God isn't pleased with. Instead of that, we just hear it and immediately recognize that's not good for me. That's not what God would have for me. The philosophies of the world fade and we recognize that's not what we want. We want what God wants for us. And then part of that active process in Colossians 3, verses 5 and 10. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry, and having put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Those are two bookends, and there's a lot more in between, but Paul is telling us, put off what it's like to live chasing after what the world wants. Get rid of those things, just like you put off your old clothes. Get rid of them and put on fresh, new, clean clothes. Clothes that will reflect Jesus Christ. A believer is actively choosing love over selfishness, actively deciding to pursue what God wants rather than what I want. And then in Colossians 1, it tells us that it's a spiritual process. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. We don't do this out of sheer willpower but by the word of God, through the Holy Spirit at work in us. Each believer is called to grow in spiritual maturity and to grow to live fully pleasing to God. So that's our individual responsibility. And that's something that each day as you wake up, you say, how can I grow in my walk with God today? What's it going to take for me to do that? What do I need to do? What do I need to think about? What do I need to get rid of? What do I need to add to my life? And then finding other people who can help you in that. That's growing together. That's the part about being in the body of Christ. That's where we thrive and flourish. Because instead of being a lone ranger spiritually, on your own, at home, with nobody to encourage you, nobody to say, have you tried this? Or it looks like you're struggling with that. If there's no one else speaking into your life, especially the truth of God's word, it's really hard to do this on your own. So God gave us the church. Jesus Christ established it and said, this is my church. And nothing will stop it until I return. Isn't that encouraging to you? We hear about churches in decline and there are less people going to church, but Jesus said, the gates of hell cannot stand against the church of God. Nothing is going to stop the church until Jesus returns. So it may get smaller. There may be few of us here, but the church will continue to function as believers grow 
and gather together. The monks who decided if we only got rid of everybody else and we just live alone over here in our little quiet cloister, then we're going to be holy and everything's going to be great. It's just going to be us and God. But they realized that when they went into that quiet place, even into a room all by themselves, their sin still came with them. It wasn't everybody else's fault. It was what was going on in their hearts, in our hearts. So there's nothing wrong with getting alone. And Scripture talks about getting into your prayer closet and praying and spending time with God. That's a great thing to do. But he calls us to come together as a church so that we can encourage each other. We can help each other grow. As I mentioned before, if you're watching online, we would love for you to come join us in person, and we would love to meet you too. I know some of you are watching online because of health reasons, and we love you and we miss you. Paul described the church as being like a body made up of individual parts, and he talked about the eye and the ear and the foot and the nose and all the different parts of our body, each having unique different functions. And if we were all a thumb, then how would we get anywhere, right? We wouldn't be able to see. If we were all a mouth, some of us are, then we would never listen to anybody else. If we were all feet, how would we smell? Not very good. So just like a body is made up of parts and God designed them so amazingly that each has its own function. And when some part of your body isn't functioning right, every part of it suffers with it, right? Your back is sore and every part of it is saying, oh, this is terrible. A toothache, an earache, a little, the littlest things seem to affect the whole rest of our bodies. And that's the way we're supposed to be as a church, that if some part of our church is hurting, we should be hurting with you and for you. And then when you are rejoicing and you're experiencing blessings, then we want to rejoice with you instead of saying, how come they get all the good breaks and we don't? Right? We don't want to be jealous. We want to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. He also described it as being like a building with stones or blocks all set in rows connected to each other and then building upon the layers before and building and building and building so that we're all knit together, serving a purpose together. If you take out the cornerstone, the whole building might collapse. We need each other to grow, and we need to love each other. Or as the New Testament repeats, love one another. Alelon in Greek is one word. So we have the word one another, but it's just one word. To be of each other in Greek. We need each other. Can I ask you to do something that may be comfortable or uncomfortable? Turn to the person to your right and say, we need you. Or the person behind you or in front of you. Turn to the other side or in front of you and say, we need you. A Bible blogger named Jeffrey Krantz did some math, and he helped group together the one-anothers. There are over 100 one-anothers in the New Testament, 
and they appear in 94 different verses. Half of them give us instructions for the church as we grow together. These verses cover a number of different topics individually, but as you start grouping them together, you see love, unity, and humility as the three big buckets. The way we act towards one another in love, the way we build each other up and grow together in unity, and then the way we do that through humility. I'm going to go through these really quickly, um, and there are verses for every one of them, and you're not going to be able to see them and write them all as quickly as they're coming up. But you can go to our website, and you can find all of these with all of the Scripture references. So if there's some that you want to dig into further, you can. But if there's some that stand out to you and say, I need to work on this one, jot it down in your notes and then spend some time later working on that. The first group, there's a third of them that specifically mention the word love. And they are love one another over and over again. Through love, serve one another. Bear with one another. Greet one another with a kiss of love. How many of you were greeted with a kiss this morning in church? A little awkward, right? <laughs> we don't do that culturally here, but if you were in Europe, uh, sp specifically France and Italy, right? You've got the, the cheek pecks, uh, the air kisses that they do. Um, that was something that the church did culturally, and COVID and every other reason is probably a reason not to be kissing each other every morning, but um, that's what the church did. It may come to as a shock to some of you, but you didn't come here this morning to be served. You came to serve one another. You didn't come here to have all of your needs met, but you came here to meet the needs of others. And there may be times in your life where you're struggling, and whether it's physically or spiritually, there are things going on, and you need help. That's okay to say, I need help, and let other people serve you, like in our song, May I have the grace to let you serve me too. How quick are we to say, can I pray for you? Can I help you? But when someone else says that, how quick are we to say, sure, you could do this. How many of you have the problem of saying, yes, I need help? And being willing to accept help, that takes grace. It takes humility, doesn't it? But in terms of serving each other and loving each other, that's what we're supposed to do. Bearing with one another in love, being patient, being willing to deal with the consequences of someone else's sin, being devoted to one another in love. Are you devoted to the people in this church family? Hopelessly devoted to you? You don't have to sing that now, but when you come to church, are you thinking, Whatever it takes, I want to help you this week. And then there's a group that this uh, Jeffrey Krantz said, they're the other category, but as I looked at them, I think they fit into the category of love, which makes love well over half of them. Look at these. Do not judge one another and don't put a stumbling block in another brother's way, brother or sister. Don't do something that is intentionally going to hurt another person 
and leave sin to the Holy Spirit. You are not the Holy Spirit. It's not your job to go around telling everybody else what they're doing wrong. Let the Holy Spirit do that. Again, greet one another with a kiss shows up. Husbands and wives, don't deprive each other of physical intimacy. Love is putting the other person ahead of yourself. Again, bear one another's burdens. It doesn't have the word love in it, but you do that because you love the person. Speak truth with one another. Would you commit to only saying something that's going to be constructive? As the words are about to come out of your mouth, stop and think, is this going to help this person or am I just ranting? Am I just angry, frustrated, mad, and I'm pointing out something and there's absolutely no value in what I'm about to say? How many of us say, I just have to say this. It's true and I've got to say it. Do you? Do you have to say everything? Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in a way that will encourage someone to grow, to develop, to be more like Jesus Christ. Don't lie to one another. We may think we don't have a problem with lying, but when you exaggerate, you're lying. When you tell your kids, you never close the back door. You never clean up after yourself. If they've done it even one time in the 10 years that they're alive. That's not true, right? But we exaggerate just because we want to make the point. Why do you always say that? Why do you always do that? You never listen to me. You never do what I want to do. All of those things are lies. They're not true. We're trying to make a point. We're trying to win an argument. Comfort one another regarding or concerning the resurrection. Do you remind people of the future hope they have in Jesus Christ? When someone's struggling with difficulties in life right now, not glossing over them, but reminding them that it's all about God's glory and that Jesus is coming back. Encouraging, building up one another. Stimulating one another to love and good deeds. This is another one we struggle with. When you have something to do, do you just do it? Or do you say, who could I bring along with me to do this? Who could I be mentoring while we're shampooing the rug or dusting this or fixing that? Who can I intentionally bring in to my life and build a relationship with? Instead of, it's just easier if I do it myself. I find myself saying that all the time. Yes, it takes more time to involve another person, but think about the benefits of encouraging and building up someone else and stimulating them to have an opportunity to serve. As new people have started coming to our church, as new people have joined our church, are we giving them opportunities to serve by bringing them along with us? Or maybe stepping aside and saying, I've been doing this for five years, I enjoy this, but I'm going to let someone else have a turn. I'd love to have you do this with me. And our kids' ministries and teaching are some of the great areas where we can do that. Bring somebody alongside, show them how to do it, mentor them. Pray for one another. You can come to prayer meeting on Wednesday nights, or if you're on your own, 
pick up that prayer sheet out at the welcome desk or look at Facebook, check your text or email. You can get the list of the prayer needs of our church. And as you pray for people, send them a quick note. Send them a text. Send them a a written note that says, I prayed for you this morning. And you'll encourage them. Be hospitable to one another. Welcome people into your home. Don't worry if your house is not a better homes and gardens show place. Don't worry if there's a little dust in the corner. Just say, come on over. Let's have a cup of coffee. Let's share a meal together. Be hospitable to new people, especially in the church family. We need to welcome the new folks. The next one is unity. And there are a number of one another's talking about unity. I've got to go a little faster. It's about a third again. Be at peace with one another. Are you seeking peace instead of division? Don't grumble among one another. Fix the problem yourself or address it with the right person instead of just complaining about it. How quick are we to just complain about something instead of fixing it, making it better. Can I do that? I'll do it. Or if this person needs help, will I go talk to them and see if I can help? Be of the same mind with one another. Thinking about our mission statement, thinking about our goals of Christ-likeness, we have that in common with every person in this room. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, you want to grow to be more like him. Do we have that same mind, that same goal? Accept one another. Don't be judgy. Word didn't like that. It thought it wasn't spelled correctly, but it's judgy, right? That's a word. Don't be proud. Accept one another. Don't think you're better than other people because you've been here longer or because you know more or anything else. Wait for one another before beginning communion. I don't think we really have that problem today. Again, that was a cultural thing. Listen to this one. Don't bite, devour, and consume one another. I hope he's talking metaphorically here. Seriously, don't bite and eat each other alive. But think about that. Destroying somebody, right? Don't boastfully challenge or envy one another. Be content with what you have and rejoice when somebody get something new or is enjoying blessings. Gently and patiently tolerate one another. If you were to talk to the people who know you, would they say you are gentle and patient? If you're not sure, talk to your family. Are you gentle and patient? You may put on a really good face out in public, but are you gentle and patient with the people that you live with day in, day out? God calls us to do that. Be kind, be tender-hearted, be forgiving to one another. Again, would you be categorized as someone who is quick to forgive, or do you like to hold on to it? Do you let it turn into bitterness and anger in your own heart? Do you want to make sure the other person is squirmed enough and that they really know how much you were hurt by them? Or do you quickly say, I forgive you? Biblical forgiveness is saying, I'm not going to hold on to this anymore. I'm releasing it. We want God to do that, right? God said, forgive as I've forgiven you. He wipes the slate clean, and he doesn't start listing those things again. He doesn't bring them up in front of us over and over again. He 
he dismisses our sin as it's forgiven. Bear with and forgive one another. Again, don't hold grudges. Don't seek revenge. Don't think about how you're going to make this right. Leave that to God. Seek good for one another. Don't repay evil for evil. Again, leave justice to God. Don't complain about one another. We don't do that here, right? There's no gossip. You know, gossip is a sin. It's not just a group of people standing around talking about someone else. It's, according to God, sin. Talk to the person if you're really concerned about them. Sometimes our prayer requests come out like gossip. Have you heard about this person? They're really struggling with this. And instead of actually praying for the person, you're just listing all the things you don't like about them. God calls us to pray for each other, to love one another, and to work on your own heart and your own stuff. Humbly ask someone for the story. What happened? What's going on here? Instead of jumping to conclusions, instead of accusing, just go humbly and say, can we talk about this? And have a good conversation. See where it will go. Confess your sins one to another. Find somebody that you can have accountability with if you're struggling in a particular area and say, will you ask me about this? Will you hold me accountable? Will you help me overcome this sin? And then about 15% of the one another's talk about humility, giving preference to one another in honor. Are you saving the best seat? Are you taking that last cookie? Or are you thinking about who's behind you and you're looking around to see if somebody else needs a spot? We do a pretty good job of filling in the pews, but if you're always sitting on that outside edge, it's hard for people to get past you. So come to the front. Look at all these good seats in the front. Come up, move in, make room for people, think about others. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. That's humility like Jesus Christ. Serve one another. Who can you do something kind for? Jesus gave us the example of washing one another's feet. Are you willing to do anything? If somebody needs help, will you go do the Mike Rowe dirty jobs? Will you do anything to help them? Don't be haughty. Don't be stuck up thinking you're better than everybody else. Again, be of the same mind. Be subject to one another. Are you willing to listen when someone has something to share with you? Are you willing to accept the authority of our church and our church leadership? When you join the church, you're saying, I want to be accountable to you, and I'm going to hold you accountable as well. So when you're struggling with something and someone calls you and says, how can we help? Don't take that as an attack. Take it as love. Clothe yourselves in humility. It's not saying that you're worthless, but it's commending and recognizing other people more than you talk about yourself. Do you wear humility on your sleeve? Does everybody... Think of you as somebody who's talking about other people instead of yourself all the time. As we obey these one another commands, we are loving each other. We're stressing the unity of the church. We're humbly putting each other ahead of ourselves. And in all of these actions, we are growing to be more like Jesus Christ, 
We're growing in holiness, in sanctification, in maturity. And Jesus Christ, who is the author and finisher of our faith, is glorified as we look more and more like him. This verse that's up on the screen, John 13, Jesus said, the world is going to know that you're followers of Jesus by the way you love each other. Is First Baptist Church known as a place where when you walk through the doors, you're loved and we love each other? It has to start there. We're not going to go out and love our community and love our neighbors if we can't love each other. Jesus said, if you hate your brother, then you can't love God. Love the brother who's right there in front of you because you haven't even seen God. How can you say you love God when you don't love your brother? If we fail in this area of loving each other, we're going to fail in pointing Jesus, pointing people to Jesus. We're going to fail in completing our mission of loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. But when we do love each other, all of this comes together. So hopefully some of these passages, there are a lot of them today, hopefully some of them encouraged you in your own growth, in areas where you can love each other. Here are some thoughts as we go to our takeaways. Is your spiritual growth something that you are actively and intentionally pursuing? Do you think it's just going to happen by coming and sitting? You're going to hear God's word here. You're going to be in a Sunday school class or maybe a growth group, and you're going to be encouraged, but you have to be actively pursuing it. You have to change your heart, change your mind by what comes into it. You have to spend time in God's word. Are you reading it regularly? I posted something on Facebook uh, this week about having devotions with your kids, and out at the Welcome Center are four different devotional books that are really good for kids of all ages. And my challenge was to try to have a 10-minute devotion with your family, whether it's at mealtime or bedtime. Those books are examples, and you can take a picture of them. The link that I put on Facebook goes to our website, which says, security error, look out. There's nothing wrong with our website. We're not stealing any of your private information, but there's a code, a piece of code somewhere that I don't know how to fix. So um, when you click on that and you click more information, it'll say you can still go to the website if you want to. So you can do that, and hopefully we'll get that fixed soon. But anyway, that's why those books are there, and if you want to take a look, I would encourage you. Are you part of a Sunday school class? Do you come on Sunday mornings and slip out right after the service, or do you stay for coffee? Do you stay for a class? Are your kids involved in learning here? I would encourage you to do that. If there's something that's keeping you from going to a growth group, then call up somebody and say, will you go with me? I don't want to go alone. Or bring somebody with you. Do you actively love your church family? What are some areas of those one another's that you need to work on? I know there's a lot there that I have check marks on. What people specifically in the church and as you write their name on your note sheet, you can cover it with the, your hand. Who are the people you need to pray for and say, I need to love this person. I need to stop being frustrated or bothered. I need to forgive whatever it is. Start praying for that person. Start praying for your heart and see the amazing things that God is going to do. 
How are you doing with humility? And are you striving for unity in the church? Or are you just looking for things to make a problem out of? Areas that are going to cause dissension. And then, under that name of the person that you need to pray for, list another person that you need to be more intentional about loving and encouraging. Mark's going to come. We're going to sing a final song about our love for each other and how we can encourage each other. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for bringing us together this morning. Thank you for your word, for all of the great encouragements of how we should treat one another. And I just pray, Lord, that as we learn to humbly love each other, we will learn to love you more and more and will bring glory and honor to your name. Help us in this coming week, Lord, to be in your word, to be encouraging others to be in your word. Help us to find places where we can be serving and loving each other and welcoming people into our church. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, so that God may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.